and welcome to another fortnightly episode of War Starts at Midnight. I'm Chris Gallagher. I'm Hunter Cates. And I'm Jacob Graves. Today we're bringing you part one of a first-of-its-kind war crimes colon civil war showdown. That's right. We're pitting two essential sci-fi films against each other to determine which is essentially her. It's Alien, a film Jake has never seen, versus Aliens, another film Jake has never seen, in a no-holds-barred civil war debate. This week in part one, we'll analyze each film separately and discuss their many merits, and tear Jacob a new chest hole for his lapse literacy in all things alien. Then next week in part two, Ridley Scott's cold, lean horror film and James Cameron's bold, big action flick will come head-to-head in the final Civil War showdown. But first... Midnight Warriors, Jacob and I have an exciting announcement uh, for you guys and something that we're we're still kind of working on right now, but uh, we wanted to kind of bring it to you because it's we're, th- we're changing the show up a little bit in the near future. Jake, do you want to uh, explain? This is your, your idea, your baby. Do you want to explain this a little bit? Your thing, you might say. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I, I saw a tweet that Edgar Wright uh, replied to the other day listing all of the top John Carpenter films, or actually ranking all of them from worst to best. And he said it was a good list, except The Fog should have been higher. And I said, well, I've never seen The Fog. Then I looked at the list and saw that I've never seen a surprising number of his films. Some of them that I feel like I've seen just because of TV. Yeah. But a lot of them I just haven't seen. Uh, for the most part, if Kurt Russell's not in it, I haven't seen it. <laughs> that's that's pretty close to the same for me with with a couple of exceptions. And and I'm sort of the same way. There's there's a few of those like, like uh, Escape from New York. I've seen, but I haven't seen. It's like I think I've only caught it on like TNT. And only in pieces. Oh, no, I own Escape from New York. I just think I've seen Escape from L.A. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but same thing. So uh, our idea is, what if we deep dive into John Carpenter? And for, uh, I don't know how long it'll take us, but we're going to go through all the essential John Carpenter films and just cover them all in depth. Uh, kind of alternating with some new releases in uh, a show that we'll call The Carpenter Shop. Yeah, so the idea is we're still going to be doing reviews of new releases, just not quite as often. Maybe maybe every other episode kind of alternating um, with with this because I mean, it, and it's something that I've kind of I've liked the idea of taking a deep dive into uh, a director that, uh, you know, one of us hasn't seen, this is one where we've each seen a bit, but there's, there's still a lot of blind spots. There's also the apocalypse trilogy, which Hunter, you brought to our attention. And to that point, whenever, whenever the apocalypse trilogy lines up, yeah. by all means, I need to be on that. Cause I, I don't think I may have seen one of them, but the one I mentioned, the name that I can't even recollect at this point in time, it had Sam Neill in it. Yeah. That's, that's the third one came out in, and I can't remember the name off the top of my head either. Um, but this is how ignorant we all yeah. are about John Carpenter's. I, we didn't even know there was an apocalypse trilogy, and it was so giddy inducing to dis- make that discovery. Yeah, well, and even if it's even if it's not the best, like it's still John Carpenter, and and that's that's the thing is like I feel like he's a director that if you would have asked me like do you love John Carpenter? My, my answer would have been yes. But then as we're looking at his filmography, I realize there's a lot of holes for me. And so uh, we're still kind of trying to figure out schedule and what we are going to review and what we aren't. Um, and that's sort of where we're going to open this up to you, Midnight Words. If there's something that you think we absolutely definitely need to discuss, um, that's particularly if it's something that's not essential you know, like ghosts on Mars, or if it if it's like uh, Kurt Russell as Elvis in the Made for TV movie, the one that right. we're absolutely going to review, Chris. <laughs> right, you're and actually, Jig, you're pretty adamant about reviewing Christine too, right? Oh, we're doing. Oh Christine. man, Christine is so good. Christine's <laughs> oh, fantastic, man. I was I was totally unaware that I needed to see Christine. Yeah, my dad's watched it so many times. I've seen that movie, and I I just want to watch it with the lights out and popcorn, start to finish. I'm really excited. And and, and just and real quickly, the Apocalypse trilogy, just so we can get us all all ourselves right. up to speed here. The first is the thing, which you know that's that's an essentially your picture. Yeah, and then the other two are Prince of Darkness, and then in the Mouth of Madness, and in the Mouth that, of that's Madness, that's the one with Sam Neill, right? Neil one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and so Midnight Words, if there's something that you think we absolutely have to see, uh, you know, tweet at us at uh, WSAM Pod, send us an email at hello at midnight dot com, and tell us you know what you think 
uh, has to be on, on this, uh, schedule. We're, I mean, we're thinking about doing this for, you know, a while it's, it's not going to be just, we pick out like two or three. We've got, we've got a decent sizable, uh, list here that we'll just, you know, as, as things work out, like we're not going to, we're not going to skip Dunkirk. We're not going to skip baby driver. You know, the things that we really want to see, we're still going to review on the show. Um, but we see this as an opportunity to sort of explore, uh, you know, a place in cinema that we feel kind of a bit of shame in not having explored further. To, to be frank, Chris, I don't even think you need to explain it. It just needs to be, look, we're going to review John Carpenter. Yeah. Films yeah and, and you're going to tune if, in. If you don't like <laughs> and it. And you're going to tune in. It's going to be great. And, and maybe, I mean, hopefully there will be things that, uh, that we discuss that, you know, you, the midnight warriors haven't seen either. And you end up, you end up seeing them out. Uh, like, Dark Star. Oh, I'm excited for Dark Star. Uh, which actually, Jake, do you know who wrote Dark Star? No, who wrote Dark Star? Dan O'Bannon wrote Dark Star. Do you know what else Dan O'Bannon wrote? Hmm, why don't you tell me, Chris? He wrote Alien. Ah! What? I've never yeah. seen Alien, Chris. I could have said before I started <laughs> prepping for this episode. <laughs> well, Jake, how about we talk about Alien? Hmm, sounds good. Whatever it was, it was, it was banging. You sure it took him into the air shaft. Disappeared into one of the cooling ducts. No question is it's using the air ducts to move around. Could he want Brett alive? What? Could Brett be alive? No. I mean I don't think so. No. This air shaft may work to advantage here. It leads up to and comes out in the main airlock. All right, there's only one big opening along the way. We can cover that up, and then we drive it into the airlock and zap it into outer space. This son of a bitch is huge. I mean, it's like a man. It, it's big. At its most elemental level, Ridley Scott's Alien is a genre picture. But more importantly than that, it's a 70s genre picture. To understand why I find this little detail so crucial, let's take a look at some of Alien's iconic contemporaries. The Godfather was a gangster picture. Chinatown was a hard-boiled noir. Jaws was a creature feature. Annie Hall was a rom-com. Each of these films takes a well-worn, enjoyable, but predictable story structure and elevates it from boilerplate B-movie to high cinematic art through a fastidious focus on character development, story over plot, and the power of visual narrative. Alien stands toe-to-toe with these titans of 70s cinema as it promotes the horror trope of things that go bump in the night from shock factor camp to raw, unfiltered suspense. Through simple creative decisions such as overlapping dialogue, dingy, claustrophobic sets, and the prominent use of handheld cameras, Scott brings an intimacy and verisimilitude to the story, allowing his audience to feel like they really know each member of the Nostromo crew, just before they're blown to bits or picked off one by one. Scott also constructs a world around his characters that feels so real, it's easy for the audience to forget they're watching a movie at all. Instead, they experience the atmosphere he produces through lighting, sound design, and a pervasive elemental grit. It's enough to make you question whether Scott actually found a galaxy-hopping 18-wheeler and just climbed aboard to begin shooting. So, dudes, I'm curious. It's pretty obvious where I stand in this picture by now, and this is a Civil War debate after all. So the rhetorical question I pose here shouldn't be so much, is this film great, but instead, just how great is it? And yet I sense we may have company in our presence who's not entirely what they seem. So Jake, I'll open the discussion up with a question to you. Now that you've finally seen Alien, does my assessment of Ridley Scott's sophomore effort ring true to you? Or do I need to tear you apart and beat the milky life right out of you? Probably the latter, but hopefully hotwire my head back to life so I can give you some explanation. <laughs> um, I, I didn't hate it. That's the first thing that I want to say. Good. Also, when are we rolling spoilers? Right, right up top before you, uh, before you said that everybody gets picked off one by one. Yeah, no, I, I assume generally if we're doing either a war crime or basically if we're not doing a brand new movie, it's generally implied like we're going to probably get into spoiler territory. So yeah, let's just say, uh, let's just say spoilers right now. Okay. Or did it? I don't know. Spoiler alert. Here come the spoiler. 
I've been trying to find words all week for what I felt like didn't hit me right with this movie. Um, I I never felt the connection to the characters that that you say that uh, he does so well. I like really, and I liked uh, Harry Dean Stanton's character, and I like him as an actor, and I think he did a really good job. And I think Scarrett did fantastic. Yeah, and I I, I liked him the most, and and Ripley's pretty good. Um, but I just didn't. I didn't feel like a strong connection to them. Maybe it's because I knew they were all gonna die, just from culture around alien. Well, okay, you just you, okay. You just said that, and I think that's key here. You can you imagine? I'll throw this out to both of you. Can you imagine seeing this sitting in the theater for the very first time, nineteen seventy nine? You this is before it has become so drenched in our culture that there's gonna be a monster bursting out of their yeah, chest, yeah. the mm-hmm. face huggers, all that. We know that. I yeah. mean, that is so pervasive in the popular culture that i feel like for you jake and actually for all of us really is so much of what made this unique and Mm -hmm. petrifying is is already known to us i think it's still effective though that's the thing is like i well i knew the first time i saw this i knew more than i should have it still it still worked for me and it's still like i think i think it's a combination of a few things one very good filmmaking. So you mentioned the chest bursting scene, like everyone knows it's coming, but the way that Scott plays it out is so perfect. He, you know, we, we've just come off of this big, intense, uh, sort of unknown planet, uh, expedition where we're not sure if anyone's going to survive. Well, and, uh, and that's and, what you think the movie may be is and, that. Yeah. And, and that, and that's like, even, even knowing what I knew about it, it was like the first time I saw it, I was like, well, how long are we? I I knew nothing about this part of it, mm-hmm. um, and and so there 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 are still like those exciting things as well. But then you know you've got a character who comes back to life, and then it's sort of you're disoriented a little bit, and then and we've got this great sort of like Last Supper sort of they're mm-hmm. they're about to go back into cryo sleep and and spend the ne- next ten months asleep so they can drift back to Earth. And obviously, you know, like the movie's called Alien. It's sort of a horror movie. Like that can't be the way that it goes. But just the way that he builds it out, it's a perfect sort of like the you're getting almost this release valve of like the camaraderie, them um, hanging out with each other. And then and then it happens and it comes out. And it's it's a combination of the way that he plots it, the way that he uh, the way that he presents it to the audience and then also, I think the fact that 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 chest burster still looks pretty damn good. Right. Oh, it looks like, great. I, like, I know that it's a, you know, it's a puppet, but it still looks great. Let's mm-hmm. let's OK, let's do the ultimate hypothetical here, Jake. Uh, if you if you were to have seen this completely blind 1979, not knowing what's going to happen, would you appreciate it more? Um, I, I want to say undoubtedly yes. So the thing I, I do with movies because I think they work best this way is I avoid the trailers. I avoid yeah. knowing anything I don't have to know about it because I want to see the film on its own. And uh, I think it was Walter Murch talked about filmmaking. And he said, if you show somebody something earlier in the film and you go, you know, really extreme or really scary or really funny or whatever, it kind of stretches that rubber band so to speak. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when you come back to do the same thing later, it's already been stretched. There's a memory to it. Um, you've seen it. You know those sorts of things. Right. And just knowing from every Oscars montage or best of, you know, this. Uh, YouTube videos, whatever. Everything. I, I've yeah. seen a lot of this movie. I know the chest burster's coming. I know what the alien looks like because I, I saw AVP, which doesn't count <laughs> as an alien movie. Uh, but... The fact being, I I know how an alien works in this universe already, and I would have liked to experience it like the crew experienced it, which is what the hell is going on? Let me ask you this, Jake. So I I kind of take offense that you didn't think the crew was all that like I, I don't think they are fully like super fleshed out characters, but I, I do think that they each have, like, I know who each of those characters is with the, the little bits of time that we get to spend with, with each of them. Like he builds out this whole, uh, sort of class system. You know, there, there's sort of a divide between, uh, Parker and Brett, who's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's Harry Dean Stanton's character 
and Yafik Kato's character, um, who are sort of like the engine room guys. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's this whole discussion like early on about, well, what what about the bonus situation? You guys are getting bigger bonuses than we are. There's so they they put a class class struggle thing in there, and then you start to like learn who each of them are, and I, I feel like each of those characters is identifiably different from the next. Each of those crew members, um, you know, from from Tom Skerritt's Dallas to, to Ripley, straight down the line, like uh, even even Ian Holm is Ash, which uh, is is sort of a uh, a brilliant sort of play. And I'm I'm interested to see how you react to Ash when you watch him again, because it's almost you see him once one way and then for the rest of, of time, you see him a completely different way. Yeah, so I, I did not know that he was a, what do they call them, androids, robots? I don't know what android. they call them. Well, that I universe. think they just call him a robot in this one. Yeah. Like, okay. I don't even think they say android. All right. Um, <laughs> because, like, when, when he's, like, when he's, like, in, you know, busted open or whatever, I, I think it's Parker comes in and is like, oh, he's a he's a robot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I did send you a text probably two minutes before he um, got exploded. Got Jake, his, why are you texting while you're watching a movie? Because sometimes I got to tell you stuff when a character makes me angry. And plus, I'm the only one in the room. Uh, but I, I said, um, I said I had no clue that Sister Woman from Cat on a Hot Tin Roof yeah. and the mayor of uh, Amity Island from Jaws had a baby. Because I hated <laughs> this character just not seeing the threat. He didn't. Uh, understand yeah. it or appreciate it. it it was just like oh we got to keep things running is what it felt like well this this could he's, be important he's, he's the company stooge yeah uh which he was the ultimate company stooge yeah um he was built for it yeah yeah um and i thought the strongest part of this movie was the idea of the company the idea that they wanted this alien back that they kind of not sabotaged the mission but they didn't care about the crew no, they didn't sabotage the mission. They just didn't tell the crew what the mission was. What the was. mission was, yeah. Yeah, the crew is expendable. Yeah, and I, I thought that was interesting, and I, I loved how this took place in what was clearly a much larger universe where we weren't going to answer your questions about it. So Something else that I love about this movie is just the craftsmanship of it from... Uh, like, like what I was talking about earlier with the, the way that he builds out that chestburster scene so that you're not even anticipating it. Cause there's a lot of things in this that are sort of jump scary. Like you're just waiting for the thing to pop out. Um, but there's also, you know, he builds, he builds atmosphere through sound effects through, I love that shot whenever, uh, they first get off the Nostromo to go explore the planet. And there's just like debris dust flying everywhere and you can you can kind of hear it tinking on the uh mm-hmm. on the helmets and and he does a great job of just kind of creating these beautiful moments that are uh very well realized in all the senses that um that are used in in cinema and it that can be a little off-putting for me with Ridley Scott like I think I think he does that a lot in Blade Runner and Blade Runner is a movie that I'm a little lukewarm on, to be honest. Uh, this was him doing his thing before it became cliche. Well, and and it feels more earnest and it feels more precise mm-hmm. here. I would I think the thing about Alien is it's almost a it's almost the missing link between modern horror sci-fi and mm-hmm. old sci-fi. Is this he was making this movie within the context of a Solaris world and a 2001 Space Odyssey yeah. world, yeah. and so that's why it's much much slower. He's making a horror film in kind of a Stanley Kubrickian universe. Yeah, that, and that's I've, very I've good. I felt 2001 a lot in the beginning of the film. The long shots down the spaceship. Look at our awesome, you know, look at yeah. our awesome spaceship. Look at our awesome uh, special effects work. But I it didn't for whatever reason anchor me in that universe uh, maybe it's because i was expecting an action movie because well, i didn't know well and that's the thing is, is and we'll get into this is i feel like the studio wanted aliens is, well it, i don't i don't think that it was even that at this point the studio like you had just had star wars was a huge hit mm-hmm. they had this alien script on hand and so they just said oh well let's uh let's put this into production and see what happens yeah because it was i think it was walter hill's production company had sort of brought it to them or they had a deal with 20th century fox and they brought it to them they're like hey here's this alien uh script what do you think and they're like ah oh, we don't know and then suddenly star wars is a huge hit 
And so they're like, oh, scrambling. And luckily, instead of making uh, Moonraker, um, they make they make Alien. You know, this is this is their mad scramble to get another space movie. And it happens to be that. And and I think the fact that it is more a horror movie than an action movie or anything actually works to its uh, advantage because it's not you know, you can't really hold it up against Star Wars. I the, the fact that you said uh, a Solaris earlier, like that's really in, I, I even had a note in here. Like, I think this is sort of Solaris and in, and especially in like the dinginess and mm-hmm. the, the, there's a claustrophobia, but a, a openness and an em- emptiness as it's a, well. It's a slasher movie set in a very late sixties, early seventies sci-fi. Yeah. Cynical, where, cynical universe. Where, whereas, Aliens is more adult, but more uh, Star Wars as mm-hmm. far as like the the adventure, right? And so I would say that more than anything, it, for me, Alien is just a triumph of the environment, the production design, yeah. the universe he creates. And so watching it today, it's it you I can see people being bothered by it because of its slow burn quality. It's an acquired taste. I feel certainly, and, and a lot of certainly, people because yeah. I remember we watched it and I had, took a horror movies class in high school and this was the one wherever the only one we watched where people started to fall asleep, really? which is funny. See this, and this is exactly though why I wanted to have Jake watch both of these side by side because it is sort of like a you may like this flavor more or you may like that one. Like they're they're two very different things, both executed very well, which but, I love. But yeah. you're going to choose one over the other just by your own personal tastes. I feel I feel like the alien brand in some way to me uh, being an outsider to this franchise, aside from seeing AVP. Right. Um, I, I just thought it meant action movie. I thought it meant a smart action movie. Um and that's not what I got, but it was definitely what I was in for. I popped popcorn. I sat down in a dark room. I was chomping on my popcorn and watching long shots of interior spaceships at first. One of the triumphs that I, I still, at least for me, see when when watching this as well, beyond like you're I think you're right, uh, Hunter. It's definitely like the craftsmanship, the the the. the artistry that that scott puts into this is probably the thing that shines the universe the, yeah, the most yeah and, and the world building mm-hmm. is great uh but i'm also struck by every time i watch it the fact that it all still kind of feels fresh and it doesn't feel like it's been um like i i always worry when i go to classic movies to watch them again that i'm going to feel like oh well i've seen that a thousand times not because it did it after a bunch of things but a bunch of things followed right. it um, and I'm, I'm always shocked that like, oh no, like this, I, I'm surprised that the things that are effective here haven't really been mine. Okay. So then to that point, Jake, do you think that your, that your enjoyment of it was in any way compromised by all the films that have ripped it off? Um, yeah, in a way, like I've watched, you know, almost every episode of Dr. Who's new series and the, we're on a spaceship and there's a monster and we don't know who he is or where he is or what he's doing and we need to get from point A to point B and get separated and break up in the teams and search for him. That's just part of the genre now. Mm-hmm. Not that that's a valid criticism of this film in its time. Just like me expecting an action movie is not a valid criticism of this film. It's a problem with my expectations. But it's also a problem with what I've experienced just from even, you know, a BBC show. But, right. it, but it inevitably affects... How, mm-hmm. how you take in the movie. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's, it is hard to separate that. It's not, and you know, it's not like, it, it's not like one of those things where there's hidden gems necessarily of, of alien that you're going to like, if someone's going to rip off alien, they're probably going to rip off whole cloth, you mm-hmm. know, parts of, of the, <laughs> right. the function of it. Maybe it's just not as novel anymore to have a woman be your hero, you know, Ripley. Uh, it, it happens more now, not that it's common, but I know that that was like, maybe you went into that movie not knowing she was going to be the one who well, made that's, it out. That's another thing that I love, though. Like, you don't even realize that she's, I mean, you do because you know that, you know, Sigourney Weaver is synonymous yeah. <laughs> with, with the Alien movies. But the way that they sort of, like, it, it's not apparent that she's going to be A, the star, or B, the one that survives until very deep into the movie. Like it's, it's not like Tom Skerritt sort of seems like the main guy for a while. And then you have, you know, uh, John Hurt gets his little moment and then, and then obviously that's gone. Um, and the first then, focus she gets is when she really talks to, well, she, she tells him not to come in the airlock, but when she talks to Ash and kind of gives him that verbal, uh, you, you shouldn't have let him in. 
It's the first time she shows any like dominance. I, I think it's a combination of, yeah, but it's a combination of not just saying, well, she's going to be our lead and she's going to be the uh, leader character, but mm-hmm. uh, more smartly saying, well, she has to be the leader because of the situation this character has been put in. And so it feels a little more organic right. than saying like, oh, well, we cast it's <laughs> it's 1998 and we cast James Vanderbeek. He's going to be the main guy. Yeah. Right. It, 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 even watching it, even knowing uh, what we know about it being Sigourney Weaver's franchise, you're absolutely right as it does feel, oh, okay, she's the she's the main star all of a sudden because everyone else is dead. Well, it's it, it's not even like it, – I think it's kind of slowly making her that because she, she started – It's earned. Yeah. yeah she, she kind of butts up against Ash and then, you know, it's not really until Dallas goes up in the, the air duct that you're like, well, who's going to take the lead now? I guess it's got to be Ripley. I like, didn't even necessarily know Dallas was going to die in the air duct That's, when he went in. It didn't look good to him. Yeah. But because he was so set on, like, he kind of accepted that he was maybe going to die. I thought maybe he wasn't at that point. No, nope, <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> I I love, I absolutely love the suspense in that, in that scene where you have, they've got their little uh, uh, motion detector thing and you just... You see where he is, where Dallas is in the air duct, and you see this little blue dot like coming towards him. Mm-hmm. And it's there's so much because you're invested in uh, in him as a character. There's so much suspense built up in like, oh, God, is he going to and, and you are sort of tossing it up. Is he going to make it out? Is he going to be able to find a way to 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 get out of this or is he going to meet his demise? Mm-hmm. Spoilers, he meets his demise. But that I, I love the how lo-fi the craft of just a blue dot coming towards another blue dot right. is. What isn't lo-fi, though, and now since this is the very first movie in the franchise, it's the time to talk about it. How brilliant is the alien design? Oh, great. It's great. It's really, really great. Timelessly great. I think I think it's a little, and we'll definitely get into this in Aliens, I think it's a little bit hokier here than it is in, in Aliens, mostly because like he's he's dealing with uh, much lower budget and trying to, you know, he's doing the Jaws shark yeah, it's, thing. It's where Jaws. He keeps it in the shadow. He shows you just enough. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it's so, um, I, I think the thing that is still a thousand percent, like if it happened today, I'd be like, that's, that's great, is the teeth and the mouth coming the out of the mouth. mouth. Yeah. And just like, it, it's acid so, at the acid blood, the yeah. tongue mouth, yeah. the tail, all the, the knife tail. I mean, it's a, it's just a perfect killing machine without being ridiculous. Yeah. The acid blood was a great touch. I, I really liked that. It made me really fear the alien more because they're in space and they can't have a hole, a hole, a hole in the hole. Yeah. It's um, well, it's like, it's like they're, it's, it's kind of like they're on a ship. Like they're mm-hmm. on a boat, like and, they're. And I don't know if you guys knew this, but in space, nobody can hear you scream. <laughs> I read that somewhere. So what are you gonna do? But you know? but you can hear John Hurt being ejected out of an airlock. I did notice <laughs> that it makes a I, sound. I think what I like about well, I don't think I know what I like about the alien is likewise what I like about the movie Alien is that this could have so easily not been what it was yeah mm-hmm. it could have so easily been an absolute disaster yeah. and i know it because there's been a million movies just like it where it is a disaster right. I-, I feel like if one studio exec uh wandered onto the set on the wrong day this movie's terrible <laughs> yeah he's like i i don't like that animal's head i think i think his head's stupid he looks like an eggplant change it you know yeah it kind of looks like a phallus yeah are exactly. we sure about this yeah that could have very easily happened or during even during the design stage they make something that looks like a praying mantis or you know, you know just any number of things mm-hmm. Do you know, do you know the story behind, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know that these are Giger designs, HR Giger designs, Mm -hmm. but, um, I think it was actually Dan O'Bannon who, uh, you know, wrote the original screenplay, ended up getting sole credit. Although I think Walter Hill took a pass at it, um, and, uh, someone else as well. But anyway, he was working on, uh, Jodorowsky's Dune Mm -hmm. and, uh, Giger was doing all of the art for that when that fell apart, um, then this script finally got picked up once with star Wars. And when he got put together with Ridley Scott, he Scott was trying to figure out, okay, what do we do here? And he's like, you might here, take a look at this work by this guy. You might like it. And that's sort of how it all. So it was just by chance that, you know, Ridley Scott was given this art that works perfectly for 
this story that he was uh, he was working on, but not inherently like it, that could have easily not happened. Right. That and connection could have not been made and then it wouldn't be as great and iconic. And in some ways, the production design matches the alien itself as it's a very dark, sharp, mm-hmm. pointy, demonic look. The alien is and then just the entire universe feels like that, like the Nostromo. I, I'm ripping off uh, Roger Eber here, but how many just sharp metallic things are that do nothing but look scary are on that ship? You know, they do nothing but just sit there and look scary, but it's perfect. Well, or look broken or look, you know, like just battered from wear. Right. Like you, you can you, is there anywhere to sit on the Nostromo or are you just going to like accidentally impale yourself, you know? Well, obviously the, the dinner table is where everyone That's gathers. the only place to sit <laughs> yeah. on the Nostromo. Otherwise you're going to get, you're going to get hurt. Ridley Scott in the commentary had a great comment about, you know, uh, Harry Dean Stanton's wearing like this big Hawaiian shirt. And then on the, the very opening on the table, you kind of see the like bobbing head bird that dips mm-hmm. its head in the water and his idea there was well they're truckers so they're probably stopping in places along the way like you know they stop on mars or wherever and they're in a they're in a truck stop and they pick up some knickknacks or <laughs> or harry dean stan's character picks up uh picks up a hawaiian shirt and then you know he's wearing it yeah it's the little things <laughs> yeah um okay alien is is a, a marvel in in cinema history for the little things it's fine let's talk about a marvel for big ass things okay. and that's that's aliens so who's laying these eggs? I'm not sure. It must be something we haven't seen yet. Hey, maybe it's like an ant hive. Bees, man. Bees have hives. You know what I mean. There's like one female that runs the whole show. Yes, the queen. Yeah, the mama. She's badass, man. I mean big. These things ain't ants. I know that. Bishop, I want these specimens destroyed as soon as you're finished with them. Is that clear? Mr. Burke gave instructions that they were to be kept alive in stasis for return to the company labs. He was very specific about it. Aliens is a perfect movie. So I guess you have a pretty good idea where I stand. Here's your synopsis. 57 years after the events of the original Alien, Ripley is woken up from hypersleep. Since that time, Whalen yutani has established a colony on the moon where the Nostromo found the original Xenomorph. Now they've lost all contact with the base. Whoops. Ripley must now join a team of rifle-wielding space marines to go to the base and take out the E.T. trash. Awesome ensues. Aliens plays just as well on TBS as it does as a film school dissertation piece. Rare is the picture that unites both mainstream and critical tastes. Even rare is the one that straddles so many genres and yet dominates each. Aliens is the perfect action movie, the perfect sci-fi, the perfect horror, the perfect family picture. Hell, it's even hysterically funny. Hey Vasquez, have you ever been mistaken for a man? No. Have you? Brilliant! Aliens is the movie other movies want to be when they grow up, but they can't because they're not aliens. It's so good, it it almost makes you sad. Sad because James Cameron made this and another perfect movie, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, and you're left thinking, WTF, Cameron? Also sad because you're like, WTF, alien franchise? How did you go from this to pretty much every sequel and prequel that came after? So dudes, I gotta know, is Aliens James Cameron's masterpiece, and why is the answer yes? The answer is yes, you are correct. I think T2 is very close. The thing that this has over T2 is it doesn't feel like it's in an amber of the time in which it was made. I would also say that Terminator 2 has it has an annoying kid, whereas Newt's great. Edward Furlong sucks. I mean, well, kind of. but but a lot of that is like he is trying to be Bart Simpson. <laughs> exactly. That's and, and that's and that's the thing that that's dates not it. the case here. Yeah. So here. that's that's the problem that that I have with T two. Really, the only problem. Before we review this this picture, we need to remember, of course, that this is a Civil War colon war crimes. Right. It's not my war crime. It's not my war and, and crime. It's, and it's not your <laughs> war crime. It's Jacob's war crime. How do you, both as a film fan and as a man, not see either alien or aliens? Wait, wait Jake, can I answer this for you? Mm-hmm. You, you can answer for yourself after. Okay. But is, is it because you hadn't seen aliens so you couldn't see aliens? Correct. I'm not going to jump into a franchise in the middle of it. I'm not a heathen. <laughs> not, not a barbarian. Bar- I'm going to start from the beginning. Okay, it's one of those things. I feel like as a film fan, you need to see Alien, and then as a man, you need to see Aliens, and yet you've yeah. done neither. Well, uh, I, maybe maybe I, I punch my man card and my film card <laughs> today. 
Just, <laughs> just I, I stacked them together and used one hole punch on both. But did it, did it just it just the it, opportunity it just, never presented itself? Well, it only it only kind of perforated Alien. That was the problem. It went all the way through Aliens, but it only kind <laughs> right. of perforated. Alien. I didn't line them up quite right. No, I enjoyed Aliens way, way, way more. And I don't know if that speaks to what kind of film critic or man or film student I am, but Aliens was a damn fun movie. No, Aliens is just a badass, perfectly told action movie. Yeah. It, it, I, really, no more Space Marine movies needed to be made after this one, because this is the Space Marine movie. And I, I'm just going to say, I'm not going to roll spoilers again, but we are in spoilers once yeah. again from the beginning, so just be be warned of that. Um, one thing that I really want to talk about with with this movie is... You know, it's a James Cameron is doing something that's very, very difficult. You know, we're we're praising it, but it's basically a beat for beat remake of Alien in a in a different sort of it's James Cameron making his version of the same story. Well, it's like when you get a uh, like a rock cover of a folk song or something like that it, the, or the vice versa. The, the lyrics are the same. I see, I would be but it's curious to see. Well, I, I don't think so, because this one. Alien is they don't they they find this monster and it starts killing them off. There's no there's no like ticking time bomb. This has this also has the ticking time bomb aspect. It, it, no, it has a ticking time bomb. I mean, it's not. It comes a bit later, but whenever the self destruction that is a ticking time bomb element. You also okay. have. I mean, from the uh, down to them saying, okay, let's look at this stuff and figure out how we can trap it. Okay, like, fine. Yeah, you, you have the fine. Vincent. There's a lot of. And, I'm not. And, 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 and I'm new, not. No, I'm not disparaging Jones, it. Jonesy. Yeah, aliens. Aliens is alien, bigger, longer, and uncut. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm what I'm. I'm not disparaging it. What I'm saying is like that is a very difficult task mm-hmm. to accomplish. To to say, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to give you what you already know, but I'm also going to make it feel completely different than what you already know at the same time. And the thing that happens is James Cameron brings his James Cameronness to it, so it is bigger. It is more bombastic. It is uh, just. On, on a completely different scale where Ridley Scott is all about sort of holding back and the minimalism of a mm-hmm. lot of things. James Cameron is about like, I'm going to show you just how big I can get. Well, and to that point, I wouldn't even say it's a remake of Aliens per se. I would say that the concept of just giant monster people stuck in a tight space. I mean, that's that's as old. That's as timeless as when that goes back to the very first people talking around campfires you know i mean that is a timeless that is a timeless story that they just gave to two very different directors i i love how cameron gets the space marines together and gives them all just enough lines to clearly make them people who are who you like who are fun to be around who are funny who are, are cracking wise back and forth and then he kills them all it's it was great I, I don't I see the the Marines are one place where I have a bit of like I don't think the Marines are as fleshed out here as like this this feels very much and and I mean maybe it's unfair to compare but this feels very much more like it's just straight Ripley's movie like Ripley is a star from the beginning and she's the one that we care the most about well let's talk about that because not only is we were talking about how it was the novelty of the the female lead. But not only do we have that in this picture, the female lead in action, but she was nominated for an Academy Award. Correct. So, yeah, she was nominated for an Oscar for this. And to think that that anyone would be nominated for an action movie, let alone a female-led action movie, is pretty astounding. I feel like this is the movie in which Ripley became iconic. I don't think that she was iconic after Alien. And actually watching Ripley in this movie when I was done, I thought back on the first one and said, I like her character a lot and I like a lot more what I saw in Alien. It it was it built her out so much that it it even made the previous movie better somehow. It, I kind of feel like Alien suggested, "Hey, we can we can do something different with a female lead," and then James Cameron took it, and, well, and James Cameron and Sigourney Weaver took it and went much further. With but it, it. Alien is so much about the team, whereas mm-hmm. this is this is about the action hero. I mean, that's the thing. Is it right. this is like basically the 80s action movie Ripley versus aliens yeah Ripley versus Arnold yeah instead of, instead of Arnold Schwarzenegger it's Sigourney Weaver and, I, it, I, and it works very well I mean this in the best way even though it probably sounds terrible I feel like on whatever day Michael Bay's brain was most susceptible to new inputs he saw aliens in theaters and said I just want to try this forever <laughs> I just want to make aliens and I can't do it let me try again like a, a group of 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 
fun, entertaining guys and a hot woman get into a fight with some big bad monsters and they shoot guns. He he never I, topped he could never top aliens. Well, except but, the hot woman wouldn't have been the lead. She would have been just the you know yeah, objectify exactly maybe that's maybe around. that's his problem um but but i do think with you know to finish up my complaint about the marines like i think aside from bill paxton's hudson i have trouble distinguishing even them it, see i disagree because even if they were tropes you've got and like i said they are tropes mm-hmm. but you just have people being the perfect emblem of that said trope you have the the silly I, comic relief you have vasquez who's just you know hardcore killer bitch you have Kyle Reese slash Michael Bean. Is it Bean? We'll go with Bean. Michael Bean slash Kyle <laughs> Reese, um, who's who's just the the stoic leader. They're, they're all but, doing. But they're it's all, sort of vanilla. Like that's I, the, like Va- Vasquez. Uh, Vasquez. If she wasn't a woman with a giant gun, it would it would be a little tough. But sometimes to that's enough. Tell her apart. You know, what I mean, sometimes I, that's well, enough. It, it, it feels I, more like a war movie from like the forties in a way, where it's just like here's your cool group of dudes that you're with. And and it's not that each one of them needs to have a great character, but together they make like a fun unit no, I, of people. I, I think I, I think it works. I'm just saying like I, I think like I do sort of miss what 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 Scott did, but to I think it's a sacrifice that Cameron has to make to make. The movie well, there's there's more commentary to. to your point. There was more commentary in Alien regarding mm-hmm. the class structure and people having different functions and jobs. What the reason I say this is a perfect movie for Hunter Cates is that it's a men on a mission war movie with alien monsters that have acid blood. Yeah. I mean, what more could you want, really? One giant lizard. Well, and then you have the queen. Uh-huh. You, you have the queen at the end. And so that was such a marvelous addition to this is it was enough to to say, hey, there was one alien in the first one. Now we're going to have, you know, a thousand. A swarm. And, a swarm. and look, at, look at the themes that they brought in having having uh, Ripley as the lead and having the queen and have them fight off in a mom fest at the end. Just right. a straight up mom fight. It, it was it was fantastic, and, it, and I'm sure at the time it was even more novel and more new and something that had never been played with. It was really good. Well, and even before and beyond that, you've got you know you, you've got Ripley dealing with PTSD, which is a pretty like uh, pretty ballsy move, mm-hmm. especially for the time. And then you, and then he's also playing it's it's fairly light, but he's playing a bit of a Vietnam metaphor. Um, with the Marines, you know, they're being sent into this, this thing that they don't really understand why they're there. Well, you but listen to just, the commentary because um, I think he, I felt like he was, be- he, he felt like he was beating on the head because I've, I've heard the commentary too. And he said that he was trying to do the Vietnam thing big well, time. I, but I, I don't, I don't feel like he is. <laughs> yeah. Know, it like didn't, it didn't come across like you can watch this without saying, Oh, that's Vietnam. Yeah. But, but that's it's, what he was very but it's, it's got, it, it has, it has a thread in there. Mm-hmm, like, I, right. I don't think it's there as much as he, he claims he it wants is, to believe it, but, is, but it's, was. but it's there, but the PTSD thing is definitely. And also, and also, and I remember being really kind of disturbed by this as a kid is the idea of her outliving her daughter. The, the setting this 57 years in the future versus, oh, six months later, something right, like that. That's right. pretty ballsy. You know, to to kill off your main character for all intents and purposes, kill off your main character's kid, sort of just uh, on account of her outliving it. Yeah, because that's something that I've that I've always been attracted to in science fiction. One thing that I liked about Interstellar is the idea of that the age, playing with time. yeah, the playing with time yeah. thing. And I thought that this did that very well. Speaking of things that it, it did well, we've got to talk about the visual effects here. Like right. if mm-hmm. if what Ridley Scott was doing was this very stark austere sort of uh almost sharp you don't want to touch hide, it. hide the monster yeah routine. this this is like big and bombastic and um i i think one thing that utterly shines here is the fact that you know he he gets sam winston who i think he had worked with before mm-hmm. um on cocoon terminator he, before. he would, stan winston did terminator yeah that, that's mm-hmm. correct yeah um is that and, the one who i have in my notes over and over as john connor's dead no, no, no. Stan Stan Winston is the the visual effects guy. Oh, Stan okay. Winston. John like, Connor's dad's Kyle Reese is Michael Bean. Right. Oh, okay. Uh, Stan the Stan Winston school, etc. No, but he he did a lot of the effects in here. The he is responsible for this beautiful mobile 
xenomorph or these multiple beautiful mm-hmm. mobile xenomorphs, the queen, all of these, like the xenomorph in, um, which wasn't even called anything in, in alien, but Just the xenomorph alien, in, yeah. in alien is scary, but there are some goofy parts. Like when it throws its hands up, <laughs> like it, the little like webbed, like duck hands mm-hmm. aren't, aren't really that, that creepy here. Like they're just straight up. Like you can, you can leave them on screen for a long time. And there are things that I legitimately don't understand how they pulled off some of the stuff. Apparently yeah. like the queen was basically a giant marionette. Right. Um, really? Yeah. You know, yeah. Pu- well, a person in it, but then also strings and all sorts of, just because it was so big. Hmm. Um, and so just uh, amazing that they were able to pull off what they did yeah, that's, with, with that, with the, the loader. I don't think I would ever want to see the queen in real life because oh, I yeah. think that is fake is that like, yeah, that would yeah, kill sure. it. it would absolutely kill it. But yeah, it works perfectly. But him. it didn't have that at all in the movie. No. At, at any sense of that, they did a fantastic job with it. Can I say the one thing that I thought was dumb and didn't care, enjoyed the movie anyway? No, moving I'm, on. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to tell you about it. It's when the queen rode the elevator up. It was kind of dumb. It was a little bit dumb. See, I that, still liked so, it a lot. That's, that's such great horror movie stuff. Well, it's, I know. It, that's what I liked about it. It's just like, oh no, it's riding up. It's you're supposed up. to be. You're supposed to be invested in it by that time. Exactly. It's like, like the Velociraptor. It. It's like the, the Velociraptor turning yes. the door handle. Yeah, because the know? queen, the queen can't even fit in the the elevator. But, I know. That's what she can okay. operate it. No. Uh, good point. The 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 one thing that I do think doesn't actually hold up here is the spaceships. I I think the and I think it's partially the way that he he goes super wide. Mm-hmm. He says, "Look at how vast it is." Mm-hmm. And I was a little underwhelmed by any time you see a a spaceship, you know, the full spaceship moving around. It it looked a little cornier than what uh, I'll give what, you that. What Scott the, was doing. I'll give you that. The world building in Alien is superior. And yeah. well, and it's just I think it's a matter of Cameron had to do like because because of the scale that he's working on, he had to sort of show it the way that he did, whereas Scott is using tricks. He's saying, OK, well, we'll just we'll put the camera here and we'll only show this. And we'll mm-hmm. a lot of his spaceship stuff, exterior stuff is like uh, is either a sort of locked off sort of thing or shot through shot through uh, like monitors, which mm-hmm. is a brilliant way to like make right. a crappy miniature look look great or shot real tight and just mm. you're not exactly sure what you're looking at whereas uh cameron is saying okay look at look at the scale look at how vast it is and as a consequence and, yeah. and it doesn't quite it's less it's, impressive and and it's yeah. just a matter of being made in you know 1985 86 no, i would say that aliens is a solid horror movie but it's not nearly as scary as alien it, it i would i would absolutely agree that um as far as the universe what happened in alien was superior was stronger um, I would, uh, to, I, I know you got, I know the answer is yes here, but did you all ever just go to arcades as kids and like play the gun game, like area 51 mm-hmm. yeah, or yeah, yeah. yeah, lethal enforcers? That's what aliens is. Aliens is holding the gun and going at the arcade, except it's got a great story and great characters on top of it. What about, did you ever play the T2 game that had the gun that, that clacked? Yes, it's the, the most clap. annoying, the <laughs> yeah. most annoying thing in the world. And you could, couldn't you go either to the future or to the past? But no one ever went to the past. They always went to the future because they wanted to fight the the army of of terminators. Of terminators, yeah. Uh, that and that's what this movie is. This movie is an arcade shoot 'em up. Yeah, but but and that's what I love about it. And, but it's not just stupid, mindless cotton candy. So. It's 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 the perfect like it's the perfect example of. Everything, like everything that it does, it does at full tilt and pulls it off. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and however anyone feels about one or the other, because I, I think I don't think anybody dislikes either of these. Just at, I, people may feel strong more strongly about one or the other, but I think it's just so incredible that you have two pictures in the same franchise that can that work together, but yet they're mm-hmm. still so different. Yeah. Well, and it's the, it's the, the, the thing that I was saying up at the top of, of this is like, it's, he's just, he's doing his own thing. It's like, it's like, have you ever seen the Lars von Trier documentary, the five obstructions mm-hmm. where he takes a friend of his who made this, uh, made the short film. It's about 20 minutes and he has him five times remake it, but each time he gives him rules and says, okay, now you can only, you know, now you can only have, you have to cut every 20 frames or now you have to shoot everything outside. You gotta, um, it, it kind of feels like that where it's, and, and it's not that Cameron says, Oh, here's my rules. But Cameron says, this is the movie that I want to make. And so inherently it's different mm-hmm. than, 
um, than than Scots. I'm just it's it, yeah. You're, and I, and I kind of feel like that's what the the owners of Alien wanted to do with the entire franchise. And then by t- the time of Alien, 3, and then they, they hired him. they hired Dave Venture for a reason, right? Well, but he was a music video director. He was a, time, but a he still director. but he still had a he still had a very. He had, he had a style. Yeah, sure. exactly. Um, he was like a James Cameron. At but that then point. they strangled it. Exactly. And then you had uh, Alien Resurrection. And at that point, they just, you know, it, it just got so off the rails. But they wanted to do that with the franchise where they have a different director as opposed to a single visionary thread right. throughout. It's not Mad Max. Exactly. But now with the latest Alien prequel trilogy, now they're trying to have that single thread. And that, if anything, that's what's or Scott derailed. has the clout to make it a single thread or what? Because there was Except a Blanc, it's multiple threads. There was but. yeah, there was the Blomkamp thing for a little while where he was trying to make an alien movie, and then apparently Ridley Scott was like, "Like hell, you are! I'm making all the alien movies." So yeah. who who knows like what what's going on with him? I'm I am content. Like I I have only seen Alien and Aliens. I own the anthology that has. Alien Three and the Resurrection trilogy, um, or do you want? No, they call it the anthology. Okay, that's how old mine is. I have the quadrilogy. Okay, this is <laughs> this was actually it has a whole lot of bonus feature stuff, which I've only been through bits of it, but it's pretty great. And it has you know both versions of the ones that have multiple versions. Fincher refused to make a director's cut because he said there's no way I can make the movie that I wanted to make because mm-hmm. you screwed me up top. Um, I'm you know I've always been content with like. I'm done at two, at the two. They're so perfect. I don't want my heart to be broken. I think, you know, I've been diving in, waiting in this water enough over the past like week and a half. I think I might dip a toe and actually finally do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch the other ones because okay. now I got to know. Well, okay, not just now I got to know. Given that you are the, uh, the war criminal in this situation, Jake, <laughs> how do you feel about Alien? Do you regret the, the amount of life you've lived without xenomorphs in your life? Uh, I regret having not seen aliens more than having not seen alien. But that being said, the one I'm more likely, well, no, I'm, I'm more like, I'm going to rewatch both these movies. These are both going to be rewatched. I was going to say is alien because I want to get more out of it. And I feel like I missed something, but aliens was such a fun ride. Yeah. Alien. And that, that's the thing. Like aliens is just like, you know what you're getting, but it's like the, it, it's like a comfort food mm-hmm. and it's like, it's it's very rare that something can have this sort of like lingering um because i don't know how many times i've seen it it's it's you know probably four or five now Mm -hmm. and it's still like i just i know what i'm getting but it's as good as it was the first time and it's you know it's just fun versus like alien alien still changes for me each time Mm -hmm. so it's a different it's a different experience man paxton was so good in this movie yeah he he was so so fun to watch every time he's on screen. Paxton's the reason I wanted you to see this movie. Like he's, that was the thing that I couldn't believe you weren't even like it wasn't really on your radar. I just love that the 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 whiny like person having a, a a panic attack over this whole thing isn't one of the really strong female characters. It's Paxton who up top is just cutting jokes and all this. Actually, stuff. funny you should mention that because uh, my cousin who. His 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 franchise is Alien. Like that's the one he adores. Mm-hmm. He was you know Covenant was the biggest thing in the world to him. But anyway, he um he didn't like Bill Paxton for that very reason. Is why would a space marine have a panic attack? And you know, fair point. Mine Vietnam. is Vietnam. Exactly. Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. Here's your answer. Hashtag Never get Vietnam. off the boat. Never get yeah. off the boat. Hashtag, yeah, exactly. My answer is that because it's funny. You know what? It's funny. It's entertaining. I like it. No, he's great. He's over the top and he's kind of like, and this is not, this is not to talk trash on characters more, but he, he's kind of Parker amped up to a complete, because Parker's uh, more annoying than he is like terrifying. Mm-hmm. He's more just like, why are you doing that? Why aren't you putting him in the freezer? Why aren't you doing, why aren't you doing this? Why is this happening? Mm-hmm. Why am I not getting paid? Uh, whereas Bill Paxton is like, he takes that and then turns it into this whole, like in another movie, I think he would be annoying or with another actor he could be right no no paxton is the working man actor and he is just fantastic in everything and he he nails this this is an iconic role and i feel bad that i haven't seen it also i feel ashamed i haven't seen it also worth listening to the commentary just for paxton's moments he doesn't get a a lot it's one of those where they kind of cut between three or four different groups um but paxton always has something great to say when he's when he comes in yeah he was great um all right uh, anything else, gentlemen, that we want to mention about aliens? Uh, there's something I want to say about both of them. I liked how they left out a true love story plot from both of these movies. Yeah. Right. Because screw that. 
You know? Yeah, you don't. That's I don't care to rewatch that, and and this has nothing in it that I can think back and like I can I can I could have skipped that part of the movie. Um, Ripley doesn't need a man. She she don't need no man. They sort of do a little bit with John Connor's dad, mm-hmm. um, and it's not. I like it how you all keep calling him John Connor. <laughs> as opposed uh, to either say, as opposed to calling him by the character's name, an alien, or by Michael Bean, or even by Kyle Reese, which is John Connor's dad. <laughs> no, he's John, John Connor's, Connor's dad. dad. Yeah, John Connor's dad. Yeah. So one of my favorite moments in this movie was when John Connor's dad was clearly turned on by Ripley in the mech forklift suit thing. Yeah, he's just like, oh yeah, look at that. Yeah, (laughs) that was just great and just enough of what I wanted from it, but without being a full love story. I kind of feel like in that scene, John Connor's dad was the audience. Yeah, (laughs) because that's how we all felt about the mech suit. Wait, Hunter, what do you say? What do you say we close this out with favorite parts? Favorite parts for both. Okay, um, you all go first. I went first. That's my favorite part. What what about Alien? Uh, Of Alien? Oh, circle back around. Let me think. Okay, I'll go. I'll I'll take both of them right here. Favorite part of Alien is something I only noticed this time, and it's it's very small. It's not even a part. It's just it's just a thing. But when Ripley and Ash are having their final confrontation, just before Ash is torn apart, um, and and goes all uh, Sister Woman on on Ripley, <laughs> um, there's they're like sort of in this cubby hole sort of workstation thing, and there's a bunch of like pornography on the wall. Mm-hmm. But there's like, you know, torn out from magazines. It's uh, and it's when he's like trying to force the magazine down her throat, which mm-hmm. is just a would be a terrible way to die, right. by the way. But there's pornography all over the wall. And then just a picture of some fried eggs. And I love <laughs> I love that little detail. It's like I miss women and I miss real food. And I miss and I miss fried eggs. Very nice. Very um, good. The way I OK, I love solid villain death scenes. So the way they killed the alien in Alien, they it was so good they repeated it in Aliens. Right. Um, so that's my favorite part in Alien. And Aliens, my favorite part would be one. There's two parts. One, of get course. away, get away from her, you bitch. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then also her her tying the flamethrower onto the machine gun because that's just that's exactly what little Hunter wanted at like 15. Is yeah, damn right you're gonna damn right you're gonna tape a flamethrower to a machine well, gun. Well, you have to because Dallas had only a flamethrower and it didn't work. Yeah, I mean that's just such a badass thing to do. I mean he knew exactly what he was doing. James James Cameron, whenever he whenever he's firing on all cylinders, he knows what he's doing. It's it's yeah yeah. So I guess for my alien. I, 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 I liked after she got in the escape pod and had to fight the alien one more time uh, in, in her underwear. I, I liked it, not because she was in her underwear, but I, I just love that uh, she's safe and she's completely as vulnerable as she can possibly be. And one more time has to fight the big alien. That was, But it was also probably the most action movie part of that one, which, again, is for some reason what I was expecting. That, that final jump scare mm-hmm. gets me every time. It's Every good. Single it's really, time. really good. And I think part of it is like not that y- you know it's coming, but it's just the way that it, it's not a it's not a quick cut or a quick uh, loud sound or anything. It just comes out of the shadow mm-hmm. and just it's on screen mm-hmm. and you don't see it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. believe um, I can't remember what it was, but they did a countdown of I, I can't remember which station it did, but hundred greatest horror movies or horror movie moments, and they had Alien, and you know. I, I won't argue with that. If you want to put Alien as your number one horror movie, I won't argue with that. Oh, that was number one. Yeah. Oh, hmm. wow. That's bold. Mm-hmm. That's real bold. Yeah, that's pretty bold. So my favorite moment in Aliens is the the climax. I think, you know, like I, I have quibbles with maybe the first half of this. I think the last 30 to 45 minutes of, of Aliens is a masterpiece. You know, once basically once Cameron gets in full tilt in his his element. Uh but the final showdown between the loader and and the queen and the the thing that I love about it is that Cameron makes a decision to say, "Okay, I'm not going to put any score in this. I'm just Oh, gonna, I know. That was great. I I'm just going to allow it to be, you know, sound effects and the elemental things and and it's it's so much more heightened because you're you're left with just like the tension mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful perfect uh uh choice to do and and, and let's also give him credit because we've given him plenty of credit as as a director of this movie but he wrote it too and he yeah. was written hmm. he uh, he he wrote this at the same time he wrote it at the same time that he wrote 
Rambo 2, or First Blood Part 2, and The Terminator, is he's given interviews wherever he had a desk with three scripts going. I th- Hmm. Was was he working on the Terminator? I thought I, the I, Terminator he was wrapping up at least. But but he had them all going okay. at one point. Okay. I mean, he had them all going at the same time. And if you've ever seen Rambo too, I mean, it's kind of silly, but it it's got some Cameron awesome Cameron elements in it. But I mean, this is just a very well written movie. Hey, uh, hey, what happened to Cameron? Why isn't he Why isn't he made one of these? Why Why isn't he again? cool anymore? It's a great. It's a great question. The thing is, he hasn't made many movies. Mm-mm. That's the he spent it, the majority of his life just underwater chasing <laughs> after the Titanic. I, t- I tell you what, I'm gonna make four Fantastic Man movies, and then I'm gonna spend 25 years making two that you'll never watch again. Wait, are you making fun of Titanic? Uh, Jake, Titanic's not a bad movie. It's it's not a great movie. It's not. It's like, fine, it's, but are you gonna watch it again, Chris? Yeah, I'll watch it again. Really? In fact, in yeah. fact, I'm leaving right now. No, uh, <laughs> I like I like Titanic. Like, Titanic is if, if I have nothing to do on a Saturday afternoon, Titanic's on. I'm watching Titanic. Okay, the 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 Tommy Boy thing, wherever they're in the car, and then the Carpenter song starts playing, and they're like, "Oh man, this is so lame." And then they mm. both start singing the Carpenter yeah. song. That's Titanic. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, "Man, this is so lame." No, okay, fine. I want I want to watch Titanic. Yeah. All right. Next time we'll do Titanic. <laughs> next time we'll do Titanic. <laughs> All right. Um. So. Chris, do your beer, I'm going to assume, bridges the gap between these films, or at least I hope it does. Is it a beer that is going to be like drinking acidic alien blood, or conversely, is it so strong it'll be like being in hypersleep for 57 years? <laughs> um, I, you know, generally I try to go for a correlation. I did not try to go for anything quite that deep this time. Right. Um, my main thing, well, and also we just did Guardians of the Galaxy, so I didn't want to do another one that was like, like I could have done something that was made with uh, maybe a single hop uh, beer IPA with made with galaxy hops. But I figured that was, you know, a little we, we I just see, I just did that thing. with space See, I, I thought you were going to do a beer and then a beer sequel. That's what oh, I was coming. man. Maybe I should have done that. But that's <laughs> but that's not what I'm doing. Um, I have one beer that I think fits well for both of them. It is a because this is a double feature. I, I recommend like if you have not seen these movies. Watch them, if not back to back, maybe night after night. Um, and and if nothing else, just watch Aliens so you can finally see Aliens. What's wrong with you? Um, but this is yeah, so, Jake. God. Since this is a double feature, I'm recommending a double IPA. This is Terpy Citra from American Solera in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And as I said, it's a double IPA. It's coming in at eight percent ABV and question marks IBU. I, I looked around and I couldn't find anything, any information about how, just how bitter this double IP is. So Waylon Utani is, is confiscating that information. It's redacted. Exactly. How, how strong it is. Exactly. But uh, for those who are unfamiliar with American Solera, it was founded by Chase Healy, who uh, was first a brewmaster at Coop and then founded Prairie. And then a couple years ago, broke off from, from Prairie to, to do this. And he's focusing mostly on, Really nice sours and some IPAs. That that's sort of mostly uh, what what he's playing with. And uh, American Solera last year they won second best new brewery in the world and best new brewery in the United States uh, as rated by Rate Beer. So uh, if you haven't had anything from them, you should definitely check them out. See what you can find. Uh, everything I've had from them so far is great. But this uh, Terpy Citra, it's a single hopped double IPA. Um, it has a beautiful, bright aroma that's uh, sort of a mix of very juicy citra hops. So citra is a basically a strain of hops that have a very, um, very citrus uh, uh, sort of uh, aroma and bite to them. Um, and, then, and then a nice uh, kind of pininess uh, to the aroma as well. Um, and that bright citra shines through as it hits the palate. Uh, it's accompanied by a kind of sweet, bready malt. Um, which is something that I always welcome in a, uh, in an IPA, particularly one that's, uh, a little, a little stronger. Um, and to my taste, I, I don't know, this could just be me, but, um, I, I also get a slight like strawberry note too, which is really nice. So it's, it's very, once again, well-balanced. Um, one of the best, probably the best double IPA I've had in a long time. So I think it'd be perfect for, you know, either sitting on a back porch on a warm summer evening or double fisting a double IPA during a double feature. Or if you're trying to numb your nerves 
for the impending swarm of xenomorphs. Right, because I was actually wondering, Chris, is say, for example, that an alien were to come out of nowhere and impale you through the back and like that happened and it turned out you were a robot. Yeah. Would you be filled with American Solera? Almost, almost certainly. Is that... Alien and Aliens are currently available to rent or purchase from all impeccable purveyors of motion pictures. If you've seen it, tell us your thoughts at hello at warstartsatmidnight.com. Or if email isn't your thing, we'd still love to hear from you. Ring the red telephone and leave us a voicemail at 484-424-6362. That's 484-4CINEMA. And remember, speak loudly, because in the War Bunker, we can't hear you scream. Wow. And folks, that is going to be a wrap for part one of this very special war crimes, colon, Civil War event. Uh, But tune in next week because we're just ramping up right now. Uh, We're going to have the exciting conclusion where we pit alien against aliens in the showdown to determine which of these films is essentialier. In the meantime, you can find us online at warstartsmidnight.com for show notes, fantasy movie league recaps, and more. Or you can say hello on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at WSAMPod. And due to the scheduling, there's not going to be an FML recap this week. But as always, check the blog and join up for the summer season, which will be starting soon. And if you enjoy the show, rate and subscribe to it in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to fine audio programming. It'll help us grow the Midnight Warrior Clan, and it'll make you feel awesome. On the other hand, if you're the trolling type who simply hate listening through these credits, go ahead and tell us everything we got wrong, and I'm sure there's many things, at hello at warstartsatmidnight.com. Or if you're a narcissist, you can leave us a voicemail and see if we'll play it. Just ring that bright red telephone at 484-424-6362. The War Starts at Midnight theme song was produced by Justin Streck. The Spoiler Alert theme song is by The Taylor Machine. Check them out at facebook.com slash thetaylormachine. And shout out to Someone Still Loves You, Boris Yeltsin, for the music on this week's show. Find more at slyby.com. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks, and we'll see you next week. Game over, man. Game over. Get away from her, you bitch. (laughs) (laughs) It's the weirdest reading of that. (laughs) By the way, in my head... The the third title in the Apocalypse trilogy, which I know was not right, so I didn't say it, was Angels with Dirty Faces. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> That's it.